Hello, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. Hello, everybody, and welcome to That's Not Spit, It's Condensation. I'm Ryan Beach, and on today's episode, we have another installment of Winning the Job, the series that's dedicated towards speaking with musicians who have recently won an orchestral audition and finding out how they were so successful. First up, we have Aubrey Ford. Aubrey recently won principal tuba with the Baltimore Symphony Orchestra. It was great to speak with him and to see how thoughtful he was about his audition preparation. We started off this interview with me asking, how do you feel you played at this audition? Here's what he said. As far as the audition here in Baltimore went, I think there's a a few takeaways. One is that I do feel like it was a very good audition um, for, you know, how I'm used to representing myself. So in that regard, I really represented myself. I felt pretty well. But of course, you know, I think it's really important to point out that, I could definitely have played better. And, you know, unless you're winning the audition for the job that is the last audition you'll ever take, in other words, you're you're planning on staying in that job forever, I think it's important to really make sure that you take the time to sort of recognize the fact that, you know, there are some things you could have done better and that the next time you take an audition, you know, you want to try to focus on making those improvements. But, you know, the, the audition itself was um, uh, very, very well run. I, I sort of had a situation where I and another candidate uh, weren't available to audition for uh, the Baltimore Symphony until the day of uh, the final round. And luckily for us, both he and I were auto-advanced, so luckily for us, uh, they were able to accommodate us in a semifinal round on the day of the finals. And it, it just so happened that um, I was the only person that showed up um, of the two of us for that semifinal round. So I went out there, played my semifinal round at, I think it was 1.30 in the afternoon. And then we had a first finals round with four people. And then we had a second finals round, just two. And then I think I was told I was being offered a job around shortly after 4 p.m. That's very so, efficient. You know, I, I, yeah, it's incredibly efficient. I've taken 45 professional auditions in my career. Wow. And this was certainly one of the most efficiently run auditions that we've had. So really, I mean, you know, my, uh, my hat is off to the personnel management team at the BSO for really just keeping things moving along at a respectful but brisk clip. Yeah, so you've taken 45 auditions, you said. Do you have, I I imagine by this point, you have a fairly uh, tried and true process for how you approach, you know, breaking down technical excerpts, making sure you're playing the phrases the way you want them to go. Obviously, you've seen all these excerpts a bunch of times. So what's your process for breaking it down and making sure you're prepared for, for the audition? Well, you know, before I get to that, I think it's really important to sort of review how to be mentally ready to take an audition. You know, because I I think for a lot of students, it it becomes a really arduous process, especially, you know, when when you go and take auditions and you don't find success right away. You're not 
you know, winning one of the first five auditions you take straight out of school. And I think for most people who end up winning an audition eventually, that's going to be the case. I mean, you know, we all know the prodigy, you know, string player that came out of Curtis and won their first job when they were 22. And, you know, those people do exist. I even know a, a couple of brass players that were like that. But I think for the vast majority of people that end up winning a job, it's not the first or the fifth or the, even the tenth audition that you take. So the lesson there is, you know, you've got to really embrace failure. I love to just go and take the audition and figure out, you know, what it is that, you know, hopefully I can figure out before I go out there what it is that I would change for next time so that that way I can head it off. But, you know, the point is that I love the process. I love to go there. I love to, you know, play the music that they ask us to play. You know, I, I love to play for Coffee of Five for the, you know, 10,000th time. It doesn't bother me. You know, it's great music. And, uh, you know, I love getting out there and, and just playing, trying to play my best. And is it exhausting? Yes. Doesn't mean less fun time. Doesn't mean less time, you know, in the preparation um, for me to spend with my wife. Yes, of course. You know, yeah. um, you know, there, there are certainly downsides, but you have to find ways to make it into more of a positive for yourself than it is a negative. And so that's my second point. You know, you have to love failure and you have to really, really find a way to love the process of taking the audition from the minute you even apply to the audition until three or four days post-mortem. So I think those things are really important because, you know, a lot of people go into an audition and their preparation has been, you know, fine or even good, but, you know, they mentally sabotage themselves. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so I, you know, to me, that's, that's really been a, a huge, huge thing. Um, I also have, like, you know, the day before an audition, the day of an audition. I have a whole mental rundown list. You know, I do some visualization. You know, I, I make sure that, you know, I have all these mental cues for things that might go on in that audition. So if somebody wants to come up and talk to me, you know, when they see me before I play, I've got this whole mental cue of making sure that I say hello, I smile, you know, I say, hey, let's hang out to the audition, and then I get out of there so that I can stay focused on doing my job, which is to represent myself the best. So, you know, it's, it's all this sort of mental prep that, you know, for me, has really made a big difference. Now, as far as what you're talking about, um, yeah, your yeah, original that's... question, I, I think that when you start preparing for an audition, or even before you start preparing for an audition, you really need to have an idea of whether you're going to take what has been successful for you in the past and improve upon it, and if so, how are you going to improve upon it? What are you going to change? What are you going to tweak to make this audition better than the last one? And if you've not been finding success, you know, if, if you've been really just kind of banging your head against the wall, not getting out of privilege, not flying the way you want, what are you going to change this time? Otherwise, you know, it's just sort of rinse and repeat uh, with these auditions. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, last time I played pretty good, and I'm going to try to play pretty good this time, you know, and maybe that'll work. Well, yeah, maybe, but probably not. <laughs> so what was your experience so, then? Were you finding success? Uh, in auditions, like your process was working, or um, what, what was your experience? Well, yeah, you know, 
The, the process that I had um, was working, and I just sort of built on it. So, so the sort of foundation for the process that I have now is something that I sort of I adapted it from a process that I heard that Mark Inouye had come up with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, his, his process essentially, um, when I had first heard about it, this was now 10 years back, was that, you know, he will run the list every day before, you know, starting two or three weeks before the audition. You know, because when you get into that habit, you know, playing the audition itself is just like another run-through. You know, it's not it's not some sort of special built-up thing. It's just, oh, here's another run-through. And, in fact, you know, you can kind of make it harder on yourself than the actual audition will be. You know, you run through the entire list. You've got 23 excerpts. You do that all in a sitting. 23 excerpts, as an example, could be... 20, it could be 45. Right. Right. If you do that all in one sitting and then playing a prelim round of five excerpts is like, oh, is that all you want? You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're really building yourself up to sort of be this Olympian kind of player. So, you know, I, I sort of adapted my own sort of version of that from what I had sort of heard through the grapevine was Mark's method. And this wasn't directly from Mark's mouth, but through a friend of mine who knew Mark. And a big part of playing an audition well is, A, uh, at the beginning, knowing yourself, and B, being really, really, really organized. So to that extent, you know, you want to apply for the audition right away. You want to book your accommodations as soon as the audition's been confirmed. Figure out your travel. Uh, and for two players, of course, that's, you know, that's a big piece of the puzzle. Right, exactly. Um, so being organized helps a lot. Having a strategy over the next, for me, it's almost always six weeks of preparation. You know, I try not to do more than that because then I often end up over-preparing and kind of sabotaging myself that way. And if I do less than that, it's not quite enough time. So, yeah, six weeks and um, uh, really coming up with a strategy for those six weeks. So for me, the first week or so is just playing each excerpt, you know, the way I know how to play it. And just sort of reminding myself of, okay, well, what do I need to work on here? What is What sounds bad, you know? So um, just finding where you're at, like, this is the baseline, and then I can build upon that. And, of course, at this point in my career, you know, the way that I normally play the excerpts is acceptable. You know, it's not going to win the audition if somebody threw me into an audition tomorrow. But, you know, I mean, if I take out for Coffee at Five, and then I take out my singer. And then I take out Hungarian March and I play them, you know, not all in a row, but, you know, play one and sort of digest it for a little bit and then play another one. You know, I mean, it's going to sound fine. So there are two challenges then, right? Figuring out how to sort of open up each excerpt and make it better on its own. And then how to sort of put all these excerpts together so that when you play them all in a row, each one sounds as good as it can. Those are sort of the challenges that I'm trying to figure out, you know, how how am I going to face those down? For me, I try to keep a very sort of relaxed process during the first week, you know, really get to not only remember how each excerpt sounds, but to really get to know the list as a whole, you know. Just play down the list in a very sort of leisurely way, two to three excerpts a day, for a week, you know, maybe if it's a longer list, you'll need a week and a half, so you start a little bit earlier. But generally, you know, the first of the six weeks, try to keep, take it pretty easy. Then five weeks before or second week in, 
three to four exits a day. You know, really start to figure out what you need to do in each of these. Start to, you know, put them into sort of a, a mixer where you're playing one or two in a row, two or three in a row, really starting to get a sense of how they all fit together, right? Mm-hmm. Really make sure that you're practicing, you know, with a metronome. And, you know, I, I think it's important to, to sort of mention that these days, especially with tuba auditions, the biggest differentiator in the preliminary round is rhythm. You know, we, we talk about the three most fundamental things of an audition, tuning, time, and tone, the three Ts, or sound, rhythm, and intonation. You know, these days, you know, most tuba players have a, you know, a pretty good sound. You know, some have a much better sound than others, but generally the level is fairly high. Pitch is slightly above average in general, you know. And the thing is, is that a lot of people who are listening to a tuba audition aren't going to be able to tell a huge difference in pitch in notes below the bass plus staff because they're they're just not used to playing down there. True, yeah, very true. So, you know, I mean... Pitch differentiation isn't a huge delineator when you're preparing for an audition. So it really, really comes down to rhythm. And you have to make sure that your rhythm is impeccable. Um, because if, if anybody picks up on any sort of rhythmic issues in a prelim round, you are done. You are done. There's really no room for error. So, and, you know, of course, there, there are other things like articulation, it's slightly less fundamental, but still important. You know, there, there are things like how you, you know, control the sound, the amount of control that you have over the sound that you're producing, that you're not overblowing the tuba constantly, stepping on the gas with every episode, that sort of thing. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, generally, I think it's rhythm. So I, I really try to focus on rhythm in the second um, and into the third week of the audition, just metronome. So the third week of preparation, midway through the third week usually, I'll start focusing on doing three to four exercises a day, just like I have been doing, except now I'm going to start recording everything, right? And by the way, it's it's really important to have a practice log, a practice journal as you go through your audition. I mean, you have to stay organized. And for me, it really helps to sort of reproduce everything on paper, um, because I can't keep all this stuff straight in my head. You know, I'll go crazy. <laughs> yeah, right. So, I yeah. yeah, so I, I keep a practice log and really make sure that I'm tracking my progress, keeping track of which excerpts I played when, keep making sure that I'm staying on task with regard to my strategy. So midway through the third week, start recording three to four excerpts a day. And, you know, I'll record and then take notes on the recording and then I'll practice, you know, the things that I took notes on um, in a separate session. So that's sort of how that works. Fourth week of preparation or, you know, midway through the fourth week, maybe five to six exercises a day. Really starting to, you know, get into the weeds right now, you know, really trying to dig out all the little things that need to be fixed in each excerpt. Really trying to sort of put the pressure on myself to make sure that I can actually play four or five or six of these excerpts in a row and make them all sound at least passable. And then, you know, about two weeks before, that's when it's time to really start running everything, really start putting all your irons in the fire. So I'll run, um, depending on the length of the list, I'll run a third to half the list every day 
record it, take notes on it, practice what I took notes on, usually the next day. So I'll do a run-through later in the day, and then the next morning, I'll practice what I took notes on, and then I'll do a run-through of another section of the list, another third or the other half of the list, that afternoon or evening. Okay. Record, take notes, next morning, practice that. Cycle, 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 cycle. And so that way, I mean, you know, you're, you're really building yourself up to be, you know, an Olympian kind of musician. If you can do that, then you'll show up at the audition, like I said before. You'll show up at the audition, and it'll be easy. You know, you won't need to really have to worry too much about what they ask of you, because you can do anything at that point. You know, right. you can run through half the list. Occasionally, I mean, I'll take a day and I'll run through the whole dang list, you know. What does that sound like? Can I do that? Oh, actually, I can. Okay, well, what's this next audition going to do to me, you know? Right, yeah, a lot I'm of good. confidence, yeah. It's good for yeah, it's really empowering, but it also really, really sets up your muscle memory, and it really, so, you know, your brain is ready for it, it's mentally conditioned, and frankly, you know, you're physically conditioned as well. You're physically conditioned to move air in a certain way for every excerpt. You're physically conditioned um, in your embouchure musculature to, you know, sort of react the same way every time that you play something. So, you know, you're really, really well set up to just play the crap out of this audition. Yeah. And then, you know, it's just a question of doing that a bunch of times and then tapering off. You know, four or five days before, you really want to sort of back off. One of my bad habits is to over-practice in the few days or even the day of the audition. And that's a really self-defeating way to go about it because, you know, the amount of endurance that you need to get through a long audition day, especially if you're going to play four rounds and the last one's in front of the music director and you have to play as musically as possible. You have to be a soloist. Of, you have to be giving a recital of excerpts. That's a lot to do. And you need mental and physical energy to make that sale, right? You're basically right. selling your recital of excerpts. You're a traveling salesman or woman of your recital of excerpts. Yeah, so tapering off is a big deal. Um, trusting yourself that you've done the preparation and that, you know, mainly you just need to focus on your mental game at that point. You know, I mean, still practicing, still cleaning up, still polishing. But for me, no more than an hour and a half a day and then two days before the audition, an hour a day, you know, just trusting that the work that you've done is going to represent itself in your playing. And then go down your mental checklist, all the things I was talking about earlier, mental cueing, uh, visualizing, all this other stuff. And then just go there and do it. You know, I've got a whole ritual. I take a beta blocker every audition, not because I worry about nerves, but mainly because I don't want my heart to sabotage me. You know, you spend all this time planning out your breaths, and then suddenly your heart's beating a mile a minute, and it's going to screw up all your breaths. No, I'm not allowing that to happen after all that hard work. Right. Of course. So, yeah, that makes you sense. Know, so always a beta blocker for me, always arriving at the audition at least an hour and a half. I've, I've gone to enough auditions now where, you know, I plan to get there an hour before and, you know, some bad thing happened and I only got there 40 minutes before and, oh, crap, now I have to play. And, oh, God, that's, that's just not going to work. So, you know, always an hour and a half before, 
always visualizing the day of the night before, you know, always have your protein bars, always have your water, you know, it's a long, long day and there might not be food nearby, you know? Right. So, and then, you know, if, if you do advance, you know, what do you do then? How do you stay focused? You know, make sure you don't listen to other people play their rounds. And, you know, I mean, this is, this is my own advice for people who are like me. You know, I, I know some people who love to listen to other people play around, who love to talk to people at the audition, and they end up doing really well, you know, because it helps them sort of distract themselves, perhaps. I don't know what the reasoning is. But, you know, I mean, they, they end up doing really well. And so good for them, more power to them. The point is, is that everybody who does well, you do well because you know yourself. Right, You know, yeah. You know, knowing myself, I know that I, I need to be very much in my zone. I need to be very focused on what I'm doing. And I need to just not listen to others. I just need to focus on playing my best, representing myself as best as I can. So <laughs> it's a little bit exhaustive, but that's pretty much my whole process. Um, yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense. I really appreciate you being willing to share so much. Um, it, it's really, really oh, good sure. stuff, good stuff to think about. So thanks for giving me your time. Of course, Ryan. Well, it's uh, nice to chat with you, and uh, yeah, I look forward to seeing this. Uh, hopefully, it's not as long as I seem to have made it. <laughs> That's all right. We'll, we'll make it work. All right. Take care, man. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. One thing I really liked about speaking with Aubrey was seeing how dedicated to the process he was. Auditioning wasn't just a means to an end. Rather, he used the process to help himself grow as a musician. And after 45 of them, I'm sure you're going to know quite a bit about yourself and your playing. I also like how he took the idea of Mark Inouye's audition preparation and he adjusted it to fit his needs. It's just another example of how being creative and organized can pay off in a big way. Next up, we have Nick Platoff. Nick recently won the associate principal trombone position with the San Francisco Symphony. When I first came up with the idea for this series, I wanted to try to interview people who had won an audition within the past year at the time of the recording. Technically, Nick won his audition more than a year before we recorded the episode, but we're going to let this one slide. He was very open about what preparing for San Francisco meant for him and his lifestyle, and we began the interview with me asking, do you feel like getting your mindset in the right place was a key component in you being successful in this audition? Let's see what he said. Yeah, I would definitely say that. I think this is definitely something I believe pretty strongly, and I think it's something that was instilled in me as as early as Northwestern days. Like, there was probably some kind of quotation in Professor Mulcahy's office about whether you think you can do it or you can't do it, you're right. And I think that applies to, you know, you're about to play some, some hard lick on the trumpet, 
And if you really believe that you can do it and you know how to do it, then you can probably play it. But if there's doubt, then you kind of have no chance. So I think that there's that level of of mindset and, and kind of belief and confidence and like visualization. And then there's also, I felt like my mindset for the audition, it changed especially for me between the semis and the finals, just because, you know, I felt like sort of an underdog in that audition. Like I wasn't super experienced and I was in New World Symphony and I was working really hard and I was proud of the work that I was doing, but I, you know, I hadn't won like five jobs before that. And right. But once I found out that I made finals, there was kind of a, oh my God, like, you know, this is possible. Like maybe I could actually do this. And then I tried to just sort of shift my mindset to, I'm going to do this. Like not only is this possible, but I will do this. Right. <laughs> and yeah, I think like, you know, the, the final round, it's always, it's always so funny, like what our, our perception is of these experiences. Because my feeling about the final round, uh, I played two rounds on the day of the finals. The first one was behind the screen with me and two other candidates. And then uh, there was a second final round. The screen came down, and I played a very long section round with a, a few other repeat solo excerpts. And my feeling about my final round was there were a couple things that the committee wanted me to do differently. I remember specifically an excerpt from Mozart's Requiem, the, the Kyrie, which is on alto trombone, and I was playing it a certain way, and I remember a voice from the opposite side. Like, it, it went sort of back and forth, and I changed the style, and, and I was so convinced after I, I ended up playing the excerpt a couple of times, and it seemed like maybe they were finally happy with it, but I thought maybe I'd asked a dumb question, and... I remember walking away from that final, the first final round thinking like, oh no, like, well, there it is. You know, I tried <laughs> yeah. my best, but there's no way that I've got this. And then sure enough, you know, I was completely wrong and ended up going to the second final round. And I would say that when I walked on stage the second time that day, I sort of felt like, all right, like all I need to do right now is just like try really hard not to mess this up and I might have it. <laughs> um, so for me, I guess, I guess this is sort of a long winded way of, of getting around to the, a, a general mindset principle that I believe in, which is that if you can see it clearly and you really believe that it's possible, then it is possible. And if you don't have that plan, you don't have that, belief and confidence, then it might still be possible, but it's more of a shot in the dark. Like that would be like, you'd more be kind of lucky right. to happen in that, in that context. So were you doing any sort of mindset specific exercises while preparing? I, I'm actually kind of curious um, in general, what your preparation might've looked like before the first round and then before the second mm. final round, having all that time, but you said even shifting your mindset, was there a significant change in your preparation between the two different uh, times that you were auditioning for them? Um, oh, you know, one thing I did that was helpful, I watched this movie. There are, there are a few Steve Jobs movies, and I remember watching the movie, and there's a scene where they're walking around backstage, and then he goes on stage, and I remember seeing the hall. And so I 
I found a picture of the concert hall and made it my background photo for my iPhone. So I guess I, I don't really remember doing a whole lot of specific meditations or, or really a lot of specific anything other than I, I was just completely obsessed with the audition and I tried to immerse myself in like everything about San Francisco symphony that I could. I started checking out like every single keeping score DVD that I could find and just really immersing myself in, in the sound of the orchestra. Mm -hmm. And I was constantly, every time I looked at my phone, I was looking at a picture of the inside of the concert hall. So when I got there, it kind of, it felt like something that I had been dreaming about and imagining for a long time. So you were basically like visualization almost. That was sort of the mental thing. Maybe you weren't thinking, I'm going to meditate and that's going to do it. But you were just immersed in it so much that you had visualized it so much that it was almost a familiar experience when you actually got to audition then? I would say so, yeah. I, I think, like, people who know me pretty well know that I can get pretty single-mindedly hyper, hyper-focused on one thing when that is the most important thing happening to me, no matter what that is. And, you know, in fifth grade, that was Pokemon. <laughs> and uh, everything else in my life kind of suffered when I was totally obsessed with Pokemon. But... There's sort of like a, a silly story, which I feel like illustrates how obsessed I was with this audition. So I was, I was at New World Symphony at the time that I was preparing. And I remember there was one morning uh, at New World Symphony, the apartments where you live are about a 15-minute walk from the hall. Mm -hmm. And there was one morning I, I woke up and I was going to head over to rehearsal, but it was raining. So I figured, oh, okay, well, you know. I don't want to walk 15 minutes in the rain, so I'll just drive over. And I remember looking around for my car, and I couldn't find it, which was really peculiar. Sure, um, yeah. But it was it was close enough to the time of rehearsal that I, I didn't have time to really investigate. So I just, you know, ran over to rehearsal. And I didn't really need to use my car very often when I was living there, except for the occasional gig somewhere else. But... Later that afternoon, instead of like any sort of normal, responsible person who would be like, okay, like, I don't know where my car is, so I'm going to deal with this. You know, I don't want to be worrying about if my car was stolen or because yeah. uh, <laughs> I had friends who had their car stolen. And it's like, so anyway, what I should have done was looked for my car immediately. Sure. But it seemed like at the time, like, no, I'm going to practice. <laughs> Nice. And I completely forgot about my car because I, I guess the next time that I needed to use the car was two weeks after that or something. And in the meantime, I was just completely focused on practicing. And it ended up like completely, <laughs> completely sucking for me because what ended up happening was I'd been neglecting parking tickets for weeks. I'd forgotten to renew my registration uh, like my parking sticker yeah. um, for that area on my car. And so I'd gotten a bunch of tickets and, and not paid them, and they towed my car. And finally, like two weeks after that, I figured out what had happened, and I paid off all the tickets and went to the towing place and picked up the car. And, of course, the towing place charges you some exorbitant fee every single day to be holding your car there. So I think I spent a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh. Day. 
on paying the towing place and paying for the tickets. And I was a complete idiot. But, like, there was no reason for that other than, like, I had to focus on one thing. Thankfully, I feel like in the long run, it worked out well. But, like, that was sort of, like, my level of obsession. Yeah, that's amazing to be that singularly focused. But And, and clearly it worked out. But I'm sure even hypothetically speaking, if the audition wouldn't have worked out, what you gained from being that singularly focused probably would have been fairly worth it as well, you know? I guess so. I'd like to think that I wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't make that same mistake. Well, now, sure, but. yeah, but you know what I mean. Just the amount of probably skill you got and how much you learned about you know what they do probably would have had a positive influence on your playing either way. But uh, yeah, it's like a a pretty goofy story, I guess, to prove yeah how singularly focused you were, which is pretty incredible, honestly. Um, can you talk a little bit about your preparation in terms of? the excerpts and how you broke them down and how you felt like you, you know, allowed yourself to be as ready as possible, you know, especially to play two rounds in one day can be a lot, you know, and especially if they're long rounds, mm-hmm. which I imagine mm-hmm. they were kind of how you got yourself in shape to do that, how you got yourself to play the excerpt sure. refined to win the audition. Yeah. Well, I've been really lucky to work with absolutely incredible teachers. I've had lessons with, you know, almost all of my really amazing brass heroes. And I'm, you know, so grateful to call him my colleague now, and I love working with him every week. Um, but he is absolutely one of my brass heroes. I'm talking about Mark Inouye. Uh, he's our principal trumpet player. Yeah. And I had a lesson with him my first year at New World. I was preparing for a different audition, but I would imagine that many people listening to your podcast are familiar with Mark's amazing record of audition success. Um, He's won a ton of auditions. I mean, he's just absolutely incredible trumpet player, amazing musician, amazing person. really look up to Mark a lot. And I had a really powerful lesson with him. My first season at New World, I was preparing for a different audition. And he sort of walked me through his audition method. And so at the time of our lesson, it was about a month before the audition I was taking. And he said that his method was, first of all, taking advantage of a really useful method of of practicing where you record yourself and listen at half speed. Right. Um, And there are, you know, different ways to do that. And I think maybe at some time when he was doing that, he may have been using cassette tape players. But anybody listening to a podcast on their iPhone can download an app that I really like called Road Rec. It's spelled R and then O with that sort of uh, slash through it, um, mm-hmm. D-E-R-O-D-E-R-E-C, um, road like the microphone company. And oh, gotcha. something you can do in that app is you just record yourself like any other recording app, and then there's an option to play it back at half speed. So if you're a trombone player, you listen back and you sound like the worst tuba player that's ever lived. And every little thing that you're not going to like about you're playing any note that's out of tune, any kind of shift attack, you're going to hear it for twice as long. And it really, really, really opened up my ears to every little imperfection in my playing and everything that I thought I was getting away with. It's like, nope, you're not getting away with that. And once you start practicing like that for a while, you start hearing those things even at normal speed. Um, you just get really, really intimately familiar with your own playing. And I think, you know, you're just your ears for pitch and rhythm and style. And 
cleanliness and just all those things like really improve a lot if you're listening to half speed. So that was totally invaluable. But the other thing that Mark recommended that I try, and I guess this is something that worked for him a lot, was I think a lot of people will recommend doing a lot of mock auditions, but doing your mock auditions in a very specific way. So Mark is a really, really organized person, and he has an engineering background from before he dove more seriously into becoming one of the best trumpet players on earth. And so he said four weeks before the audition, you should play one mock audition every day. And whether it's for your friends or colleagues, or if it's just for the recorder, play one a day and then take really detailed notes, listen to everything and say, okay, you know, measure seven, my E's are always sharp, or, you know, I always rush in measure 13. You know, any comment that you would give to yourself. Then three weeks before the audition, ramp it up to two mock auditions per day. And so a mock audition just being, you know, uh, a single round, maybe, you know, depending on how you're feeling, you want to do five excerpts or maybe seven, or maybe you want to do your concerto movement and and five, you know, whatever works for you. Mm -hmm. And changing up the order of the excerpts to make it harder for you. There are definitely, you know, ways to make a really, really difficult round for yourself, like something that I definitely did when I was preparing, like it's really hard for me to go from the alto trombone to Mahler three because I sort of get used to playing in, in the upper register and with sort of a, a smaller sound and then to go straight to Mahler three after that where I want like my biggest, fattest, widest sound of almost anything that I would play. That's a really difficult transition for me. So that's something that I definitely worked into my mock auditions just in case the committee decided to make me do that. You know, other things you can do are make yourself play four or five, like really, really tiring, screaming loud high excerpts. And then the last one is your really, really touchy, sensitive, pianissimo, low register thing where you're worried about airballing your first attack. Like that's a great thing to be prepared for just in case the committee asks you for it. Yeah, like being prepared for the worst case scenario. Exactly, exactly. So so three weeks out, two mocks a day. Then two weeks out, you're doing three mocks a day. And at this point, this is sort of like, I feel like the, the kernel of what Mark wants in this like very intelligent plan, which is when you're playing three mock auditions a day, that means you're getting through a good portion of the list, if not all of the list, every single day. And I should also mention that if there are, let's say there's 20 excerpts on the list and you're going to do five excerpts per mock, the first day you play five, then you play a different five the next day, and then a different five the one after that so that you're rotating through all of them right. really regularly. You know, you're, you're hitting all of them. And so two weeks before the audition, if you're playing three mock auditions every day, you're going through the whole list regularly. And when you're taking notes and you're seeing like, oh, in this Beethoven excerpt, I'm noticing that I'm always sharp on my G naturals. Then you start kind of getting to a point where you're seeing the same mistakes so often. You're seeing your own tendencies so often that you kind of don't need to spending a million hours practicing those anymore because you're just so plugged in to your tendencies and your playing and and what's going to happen to the excerpt. So 
you get to that measure with the G natural and you just know like, okay, I'm not going to fall in that same trap yeah, that yeah. I've watched myself fall into. And so then one week out you're, and you know, you can adjust the numbers to whatever is good for you. But I think the idea is pretty much that a long time before the audition, it's of course regular mocks, but it's probably one mock per day and then a lot of practicing. And then by the time you're doing three or four mock auditions a day, you don't want to be practicing that much. But between the time that you're playing the mock audition and listening back to it at half speed, that's going to take up a lot of time. Yeah, yeah. And so you're not going to be practicing for, you know, 10 hours a day during that. And so your practicing time changes from a little bit of mock and a lot of practice to a lot of mock auditions and a ton of listening to yourself. Like you're spending way more time listening to your mock auditions than you are actually practicing. Right. Um, and so I did that, and I, I did that for a few auditions and really, really found it to be very, very helpful. That was a major thing. Thanks, Mark, for that. <laughs> uh, and I would say, like, the other big thing, um, and I, I think I mentioned this in the other podcast, was I made sort of a document on Microsoft Word that I printed out and put on the front of my audition book, which just had sort of recommendations and questions that my teachers over the years had asked me. And so the first thing it says is, before you practice, listen to the excerpt while looking at a score. And this was like maybe, I would say, the most important part of my preparation, because if you have just listened to it and looked at a score, it's so fresh in your head, it's really difficult to play that excerpt badly. Like, you're just not going to play the rhythms wrong if right. you literally just listened to it and, like, really absorbed it. And you're especially not going to play the rhythms wrong if you're doing that every single day. So I know that it's a tendency for me, and I think probably a lot of us, to get into the practice room and feel like we need to get to work immediately, and getting to work means, like, you put the horn on your face and you play. But really, in our practice, our teachers know this, and I think we probably know this, but it doesn't always feel like work to be doing the more important stuff, which is the score study and the listening practice and singing through things and visualizing things. That stuff is like silver bullets for practicing. It's like free money in the practice room, I feel. Yeah. And so doing that was really helpful. And then uh, the other questions on this document were really, really basic, just remaining accountable to myself. Like, is that really in tune? Is that rhythm correct? Have you accounted for all of the articulation marks and Italian or German words? Like, do you know what all these words mean? What is the mood that you're going for? What is the style that you're going for? Just like really, really basic questions that if you can't answer those honestly, like if you can't answer the question, like what is this excerpt about, you're not really ready to perform that at the highest level of anybody in the world. If you ask Mark, like, what are you thinking about when you're playing, you know, Beethoven, Leonore or pictures or something like he spent so much time thinking about those excerpts. I have no doubt that he has a really well thought out answer to like, well, I'm thinking about this and like, this excerpt makes me think about, you know, when I had this experience or I'm imagining this color sound or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. And I think a student or somebody who's not really ready for the audition is guaranteed. <laughs> like, you know, you're going to say, what are you thinking about when you play the Pines of Rome off stage solo? And they're going to say, oh, you know, I guess I'm just 
trying to make a nice sound. Right, yeah. That's... You know, they, they don't have a super clear plan. Sure. So, yeah, I would say those are the main things. And then one one last thing. Um, mm-hmm. There was a book of Don Green's called Audition Success. And there were a lot of things in that book that I, I didn't end up doing. But one of the things I did take from that book was binge sleeping. Um, so he recommended like three weeks before your audition, make sure you're getting eight hours of sleep a night and then two weeks out, get nine hours. And then the week before get 10 hours. Yeah. Um, and you know, life, life happens and it's, it's hard to be super, super meticulous with sleep like that. But I definitely tried to sleep as much as I possibly could drink a ton of water in the weeks leading up to the audition so that when the day arrives, like my body was the most ready it possibly could be. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Taking care of yourself in that way so that your body is not the thing that's going to prevent you, you know, like you do all this work totally, and then you get there and then you're like tired, you know, or you're dehydrated from traveling. And oh, yeah, no, yeah, it makes a lot yeah. of sense to, to even just, and it's such a small thing to, to add, to think about that. I think most people might even, yeah, just skip over that part, but you know, just trying to take care of it might make such a big difference. Totally. There definitely comes a point where sleeping is more important than practicing. Yeah. I mean, ideally you have both, but if you're preparing for an audition and you're a freelance musician, as much as it might be really difficult to do this, you might consider turning down some work that you get offered because if you say yes to that gig and maybe you have to drive somewhere to to go play there, are you really going to have time to drive to the gig, play the gig, and practice and sleep and listen to your mock auditions at half speed. I mean, you know, I can't I can't speak for anybody else's wallet and you know everybody's gotta do what they what they gotta do, but I, I definitely think that I can't remember if I was offered any any gigs around that period of my life because I was mostly doing the New World thing. But I feel like I probably was saying no to everything around sure. that time. Yeah. I was definitely saying no to taking care of my own life. <laughs> yeah. Taking care of your car, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> Well, dude, I appreciate you being willing to talk to me and sharing your experience and just giving such good advice on auditioning. And I know it's a little bit afterwards, after the fact, but congrats again on on your accomplishment. It's pretty incredible that you're playing with San Francisco and and doing so great. And, uh, yeah, I really appreciate you talking to me. Thanks, Ryan. It was great to catch up with you. All right, man. Talk to you later. All right. Have a good one. Bye. All right. Bye. I would like to take a second to talk about the process Nick outlined that he learned from Mark Inouye and discuss how it is not only a really incredible preparation method from an organization standpoint, but also in how it prepares you to be ready for an audition. In powerlifting, as a program goes on, the specificity of the exercises must go up as well. This means if you need to squat, bench, and deadlift at a meet when your program is over, the amount of time spent squatting, benching, and deadlifting must go up towards the end of the program. In Mark's program, you are given some time at the beginning to acclimate yourself to the new stimulus of the excerpts while still having time to practice fundamentals to improve your playing. By the end of this process, you are playing four mock auditions a day, which is giving you a ton of repetitions, simulating the thing you are hoping to be able to do by the end of the audition prep, which is to play a list and be successful in an audition. Nick's success is no surprise to me. Adding smart programming like that to an already amazing player, and success was bound to happen. 
I think that's going to be all for this episode. I would like to thank both Aubrey and Nick for all of their great advice and the stories that they shared with us about their auditions. If you enjoyed listening to this episode or others on the podcast, consider leaving a rating and a review so others can find it and enjoy it as well. I'd also like to thank Brandon Yoakum for his work on mastering this episode. And most of all, I'd like to thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We'll see you next time. We'll see you next time.